Hello, hello. It's Fantasy Fiction Friday, one day late. I had this episode recorded, but debated about publishing it, as this week has been filled with lots of prayer and recalibration, which is also why I didn't publish a regular episode earlier this week. So before I turn things over to DK, I want to clue you in on the newest plans for this show. There's one part of me who wants to help my fellow female authors and entrepreneurs get out of dreaming, learning, planning mode and into confident, consistent action toward our God-honoring dreams. Then there's, there's the DK side of me who wants to entertain you with my books and share background stories and other insider information that will make the books come to life in a richer way. I thought I could do both effectively through this show, but God has been leading me to do something a bit unorthodox by letting DK launch her own show. So the Escape Break with author DK Drake show will be my creative outlet for people who just want to be entertained with fun tales of fantasy fiction. Rise from Stuck with Bonnie Jean Schaefer will then narrow into focus on helping Christian authors write with consistency. So we start and finish book after book after book. The consistent writing journey depends on building a solid faith foundation and framework for our lives, then executing the systems that allow us to be productive in the pursuit of our writing dreams while thriving spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally in every area of our lives. So those are the things we'll be discussing in this show. DK will pop in from time to time to share about her journey on this path of developing consistent writing routines. But today will be the final Fantasy Fiction Friday episode. You'll be able to continue to listen to her read The Dragon Collector when her show launches next month. So for now, enjoy chapters four and five of The Dragon Collector. It's Fantasy Fiction Friday! That means it's time for an escape break with author D.K. Drake. This is the part of the show where author D.K. Drake, a.k.a. your host, Bonnie Jean Schaefer, reads you a snippet of one of her stories. She's been stuck at the start line of her next novel for years and is on a quest to reconnect with her characters and reignite her creativity so she can get back into writing action. She is thus reading through her novels out loud three chapters at a time. Since she's reading out loud anyway, she's recording her reading sessions and sharing her stories with you. So if you're intrigued by a world where dragons exist and people live for hundreds of years, stay tuned for a show designed for sheer entertainment purposes. Still here? Fantastic. Prepare for adventure, for you are now entering the land of Xandador. Chapter 4. Feeding Time Saying goodbye to Storm proved to be the most difficult part of Javen's departure. Sure, he would miss Mama Sandra and Papa Tim but they were so busy keeping up with the ranch, their kids and grandkids, and all the foster kids that constantly came and went, that they never really had much time for him anyway. Although he had guys from school and church he talked to, none were his buddies that he hung out with. He even doubted any of his football teammates would realize that he wasn't there if he missed a practice or two. Storm was his only constant companion, his only true friend. He was the only one who would miss him, and the only one who didn't want to leave. Javen had tried to convince his mom and Kenton to let Storm come along, they said they had no way to transport him. With a tearful goodbye, he locked Storm in his stall, made Mama Sandra promise to take special care of Storm, and plopped in the back of the red rental car his family had arrived in. Javen didn't realize it was a rental until they returned it to the rental company in town and left on foot. Uh, is this Sandor place close? Javen asked as he followed Kenton and Esmeralda down the quiet street. He was carrying a backpack stuffed with two changes of clothes, his iPad, phone, and other miscellaneous goodies like contacts and a toothbrush but he noticed they weren't carrying any suitcases. Esmeralda had a purse and Kenton had a leather bag draped over his shoulder, but that was it. What had he gotten himself into? No, said Kenton. Then why do we just give up our wheels? I'm not a big fan of walking long distances. We won't be walking far. But you just said Sandador isn't close. It's not. Do you have another car stashed somewhere? No. Truck? Train? Plane? What's the deal? Javen stopped walking. 
I can still turn around and walk the ten miles back to the ranch if I need to. It was an empty threat. He wasn't about to walk that far, but he could pick up the phone and call Mama Sandra for a ride. Kenton sighed and retraced his steps back to Javen. Under his breath, he said, You already forgotten the winged creatures you met an hour ago? He grabbed Javen's elbow, led him up the street to the big grassy field beside the tiny city hall building, and pointed. We travel by dragon. I remember the dragons, Javen whispered. But you're pointing to grass. The dragons aren't there. Skylark, Kenton said. Show yourself. The gray dragon appeared for an instant, then disappeared just as quickly. Whoa, Javen said. She can do invisible. Maybe the dragons weren't just oversized lizard from a science experiment gone bad after all. Neat, huh? Esmeralda smiled. She can cloak herself in anything she touches. Once you touch her, you'll be able to see her, but will become invisible to everything around you. And when we fly, she'll keep her tail intertwined with silver spikes. He doesn't much like it, but it keeps him keeps us all from being seen. Enough gawking, Kempton said. We need to get to the Everglades before Silver Spike is ready to eat. The Everglades? We're going to Florida? Javen hadn't packed for a tropical trip. He needed swim shorts, sunglasses, and some heavy-duty sunscreen. His fair skin would burn badly in the summer southern sun. That's where the portal is, Kenton said. Right, Javen nodded. The portal to the land of Xandador. Despite the invisible dragon standing somewhere in front of him, Javen was still convinced that the land of Xandador was some backwoods town in the middle of nowhere built to let these eccentric folks believe they lived in a different dimension. Exactly, Kenton said. Now let's ride. Kenton marched forward and disappeared into thin air within five steps. Our turn, Esmeralda said. She linked her arm with Javen's and led him to the place where Kenton had just vanished. Put your hand out. Javen slowly lifted his right arm up and out. The second the tips of his fingers connected with a rough, scaly surface, he could see both dragons. He could also see Kenton perched at the base of Silver Spike's neck. When Javen pulled his hand back, they all disappeared. He repeated the process several times. Weird. Stop playing and climb up. Quote, Kenton said. You're no fun, Javen mumbled. He can be a bit of a drag when he's on a mission, Skylark said. But he's right. We need to get going. We don't want to be in the air when Silver Spike gets hungry. He gets mean. I'd be tempted to uncloak him and let all the humans discover him. Javen chuckled and touched Skylark's thick leg again. Her gray body appeared and he kept in contact with her as she leaned her head down. Simply grab onto my lovely scales and pull yourself onto my neck. Then slide down to the spot between my wings. I think you'll find that a fabulous seat for our cross-country flight. Yes, ma'am. He grabbed onto one triangle-shaped scale after another and hoisted himself up. Before sliding down Skylark's long neck to her wide back, he helped Esmeralda up. As soon as they came to a sliding stop, Skylark flapped her round wings and they began their invisible flight toward Florida. Flying across the country at twice the speed of an airplane on the back of an invisible dragon attached to another dragon carrying his triple great-grandfather while listening to the telepathic banter of the dragons and making sure his long-lost sleeping mother didn't fall seemed surreal. But Javen knew he was very much awake and actually experiencing this bizarre scenario. He also knew he couldn't tell anyone, or he, would find, or he would find himself locked up in the nearest insane asylum. When he returned to the ranch in three days, though, he would at least have a story about a trip to Florida to share. That story was sure to require some major editing, but for once he was glad to be in the role of storyteller rather than the unnoticed background listener. It was just past nine when they landed on a deserted road in the middle of the marshy Everglades. Esmeralda woke up. Skylark promptly zonked out, apparently flying for several hours while invoking her invisibility. A feature, Javen had learned, that was unique to the Noonstalkers. Carrying several humans and keeping her tail attached to a dragon larger than her was exhausting. So, Javen said, sliding off the sleeping dragon, where's this portal? Close, Ken said. First, we let Skylark rest and Silver Spike eat. I am getting hungry. Silver Spike stretched his legs and spread his wings. 
Hold on, Javen said. He walked around Silverspike, certain his eyes were playing tricks on him. I know it's getting dark out, but are your scales turning black? Silverspike huffed. Yes, they do every night when I start to get hungry. If any more turn black before I get a snack, you're going to start looking tasty. So if you don't mind, I'm going hunting. Hunt away. Thanks. Javen noted a hint of sarcasm in the dragon's response and watched him fly away. What does he eat? He asked Kenton. Anything from grass to plants to animals. Here, he's probably hunting alligators. Javen nodded towards Skylark. Why aren't her scales turning black? Because she's a noon stalker. Her scales turn a golden color when she gets hungry, which will be in about 12 hours. So you know dragons are hungry when their scales change colors? That's cool. You have to make sure they eat as soon as their scales start to change, Esmeralda said. If they don't get fed before all their scales change, they become crazy food-obsessed creatures. They'll binge for three days before their appetite is satisfied and they return to their normal eating cycle. During these binges, Kenton added, humans are especially appetizing. Javen gulped. Good to know. He hoped Silverspike was a good alligator hunter and wasn't planning on returning until his scales were gray again. You also need to know about Dawnstalkers and Duststalkers, Kenton said. What are those? Oh, those are the two other types of dragons that aren't part of Kenton's collection, Esmeralda said. They're smaller, have white scales, and no wings. When they get hungry around dawn and dusk, their scales turn rainbow colors. That I'd like to see. You will. Once we get to Xandador. Javen rolled his eyes. She really believed the Xandador place existed, but it sounded more and more outlandish. Wingless, rainbow-colored dragons? Really? Time to go, Skylark. Silverspike swooshed in and hovered just above Skylark. Some humans in a boat spotted me and are headed in this direction. A groggy Skylark opened her eyes. I'm too tired to cloak us. Then pick up your humans and fly. Meet you at the portal. Silverspike snatched Kenton with his front claw and flew into the dark sky above. He's so dramatic, Skylark said. Humans driving a boat in the dark aren't going to be able to find us. What's going on? Esmeralda asked. Some people saw Silverspike and he thinks they're chasing him. The sound of an approaching engine drowned out the last few words of Javen's response. And again, maybe Silverspike's hunch was right. Without warning, Skylark wrapped one of her claws around Javen and the other around Esmeralda and lifted them all into the air. Javen hoped that so-called portal wasn't too far away. He was finding it difficult to breathe with a dragon's claw clutching his chest. Chapter 5 Through the Portal The lack of oxygen during the abrupt flight left Javen feeling woozy when Skylark dumped him on a sandy shore beside Esmeralda. He coughed, rubbed his chest, and looked around. He couldn't see Kenton and Silverspike, but thanks to the low tide and bright moon, he could make out a fossil reef interspersed with mangrove trees spread out before him. He also noticed the lights of a city skyline in the distance. Where are we? He finally spit out. Is this Sandador? Of course not, Kenton said, approaching from behind. We're in Bearcut Nature Preserve in Key Biscayne. That city across the bay is Miami. We have to go through the portal to get to the land of Xandador, Esmeralda said. Right, Javen nodded, playing along. The portal. You'll believe soon enough, Skylark said. How absurd. Silverspike put a lightning bolt into the sand. Flying with dragons and reading their minds apparently isn't enough evidence to convince the fake-eyed kid that our home is real. Ignore him. He's grumpy because he's still hungry. Skylark lowered her head so that it was even with Javen's. I look forward to someday meeting the dragons you collect. Good luck to you. She lifted her wings, but Javen stopped her from taking flight. Wait, aren't you coming with us? Not this time. We're wanted creatures in Xandador. It's too dangerous for us there until you win the throne. Right now I need Silverspike to hunt or his mood is going to become unbearable. If that happens, I'm never going to get any sleep. Skylark bowed her head as she wrapped her tail around Silverspike's tail. Farewell, young collector. With that, both dragons vanished. 
Once the breeze from their departure subsided, Kenton spoke. Come, let's get you two through the portal. You're not coming either? I'm an outlaw in Xandador. Keeping my dragons a secret from the earthlings can be tricky, but living here is ultimately safer for the three of us. Once you win the throne, we will return. How am I supposed to win the throne if you don't teach me how to do the whole dragon-collecting thing? Ravier, my grandson, your grandfather, will teach you. My grandfather? Javen froze at the thought of meeting yet another blood relative. This sudden influx of relatives after a lifetime of loneliness was difficult to process. At least the prospect of meeting a grandfather was believable. Javen still didn't understand why Kenton claimed to be his grandfather's grandfather. Yes, Esmeralda said. He's been expecting us, and we're wasting time here. Let's go. They made their way across the tide pools of the bumpy fossil reef to a lone mangrove tree. Three paces from the left of the tree, Kenton pushed a chunk of fossil about five feet long and four feet wide to the side to reveal a dark hole in the ground. Down we go. Down there? Into the dark, scary hole? That's where the portal is. No way. Javen wasn't about to jump to his death. Or into a trap. For all he knew, Kenton and Esmeralda were human traffickers who wanted him stuck in this cave until they found a willing buyer for a teenage boy. Or they could be using him as a guinea pig for psycho experiments no company or government would ever approve funding for. You go first. Jump, Kenton ordered. It's not that far down. Javen crossed his arms and sat down. No. Javen, if you don't... Boys, now is not the time to act like, well, boys. Esmeralda pushed past Kenton and lowered her legs into the hole. Looking directly into Javen's eyes, she said, I expect you to follow me. Yes, ma'am. With a curt nod of her head, Esmeralda jumped into the darkness. Javen heard a thump. Great. That meant it was his turn. I'd prefer to see what I'm jumping into. Javen retrieved his phone from his pocket and turned its flashlight on. Once he could see the ground below, he eased himself to the hole and let go. Where are we? Javen found himself in a cave about twice the size of Stormstall. Only this space had to stone floors and walls with an ominous-looking tunnel at the end of the room to Javen's left. This way, Kenton said, pointing to the tunnel that Esmeralda was already walking toward. Great, mumbled Javen. He never understood why idiots in movies walked unprepared into strange, foreboding places. Now he was doing exactly that, and he was with two people who had yet to gain his trust. He hung his head as he walked toward the tunnel, chastising himself for becoming one of the idiots on the screen he yelled at. With Esmeralda leading the way and Kenton keeping Javen stuck in the middle, they descended a steep flight of narrow stairs much farther below ground than Javen was comfortable with. He was starting to feel too claustrophobic to breathe when the stairs dead-ended into a room the size of his twin bed. We're here, Esmeralda said. We're where? The portal room. Javen wanted to point out that they were surrounded by rocks at the end of a cramped staircase with no portal in sight. Instead, he focused on something just as obvious. If this is the portal room, how do dragons use the portal? They could never fit through that hole we jumped through or navigate these stairs. There's a larger entrance to the room from the other side, Kenton said but you have to do a bit of swimming to reach it. The other side? There is no other side! There aren't any doors or windows or ways for any fresh air to circulate to keep us all alive! So let's be real. Meeting you was interesting and riding the dragon was fun, but there's no portal here. You don't see the portal because it's shielded, said Esmeralda. Shielded? Esmeralda reached in her purse, grabbed a handful of dust, and threw it in the air. The stone wall in front of her vaporized, revealing a much larger cavern filled with light behind the doorway she just created. She walked through and urged Javen to follow. Quickly, the shield will repair itself in less than a minute. Javen couldn't make himself move. What just happened? 
She threw stalker dust on the invisibility shield to create an opening for us. Move. Just as Kenton guided Javen through the entrance, entrance, the shield reformed. Now this is a cool room. The space was easily the size of his high school gym, but much more impressive with its ragged rock walls and smooth stone floors. But the central focus of the room, a colorful octagon glowing on the wall straight ahead, left Javen too awestruck to remember to turn his flashlight app off. He simply stood as silent as a statue, shining his light at the octagon that dominated the 20-foot high wall. If you think this is impressive, Esmeralda said, just wait until you see it activated. How do you activate it? By inserting the four types of dragon stalker scales on the dial in the right order, using precise timing, turning the dial right three clicks, then left seven clicks, then, uh, how about you just watch? Good idea. Javen felt like a midget as he approached the glowing wall. Once he was in arm's reach, he could see that the massive octagon was actually a mosaic of dragon scale pieces of varying shapes and colors. On the wall to the left of the octagon was a much smaller circle that looked to Javen like a pie plate with four triangle-shaped slots. That's the circle that captivated the attention of Esmeralda and Kenton. Kenton, she said. The scales. Kenton reached in his bag and retrieved four scales, two white ones and two gray ones. Esmeralda took the white ones first and inserted them simultaneously in the right and left slots. She waited for ten seconds, then inserted the gray ones in the top and bottom slots. After ten more seconds, she turned the dial to the right. It clicked three times. She paused for five seconds and turned it to the left until it clicked seven times. Three seconds after the final click, she pushed the dial in. A low hum followed by flickering scales within the octagon caused Javen to take a few steps back. He wasn't sure if this, thing's what, this thing was about to explode or suck him in. Can you read the pattern? Kenton asked. Shh, Esmeralda whispered. I'm concentrating. Javen watched Esmeralda watch the flickering lights on the octagon. He bit his lip to keep himself from asking what she was doing. Whatever it was had her complete attention. After several minutes, she finally spoke. Got it. You're sure, Kenton asked. It's been a while since you've deciphered the code. If you don't get it right... I'm well aware of the consequences, Kenton. Just trust me. What code? Javen asked. What consequences? What's going on? The portal to Xandador is set up in a triangle network, Esmeralda explained. I believe you here on Earth call it the Bermuda Triangle. The network is always on and will take us to North Xandador, which correlates with your Bermuda, or South Xandador, which correlates with your Puerto Rico. But it's not activated until I dial, dial the numerical address of the other end of the portal in Xandador. I have to dial the right number the same way you dial a number when you use your phone. The number is always changing, however, to prevent unrestricted interdimensional travel. Only dragon protectors like myself know how to operate the portal by deciphering the code that contains the current correct number. I have three tries to get it right. And if you still get it wrong after the third try, we'll drown in an acid shower. Javen gulped. That's not good. So it's a good thing I know what I'm doing. Esmeralda turned her attention back to the dial. She tapped a gray scale twice, a white scale once, the other gray scale nine times, the other white scale six times, and the first gray scale three times. The giant circle blinked off and on and off and on. Then the lights of the scales began flickering again. Oops. Oops, Javen and Kenton asked together. I, I know where I messed up. I'll get it right this time. She tapped the scales in the same pattern, but started with a white scale. When she finished, the giant octagon blinked off and on and off and on and off. The three of them stood in silent darkness for several seconds, until the lights of the scales surged on ten times brighter than before. The lighted scales began whirling around like a pinwheel. 
The whirling slowed, and the scales seemed to melt together, creating a watery rainbow in the wall. Esmeralda smiled and hooked her arm around Javen's. Ready to go home? We're walking through there? It'll feel like you're walking through a vat of jello in the middle of a windstorm in the dead of winter, Kenton said. But it's a quick trip. Just keep moving until you get to the other side. Javen swallowed. I'm not sure about this. You'll be fine. Kenton slapped Javen on the shoulder. Send for me when you've collected your final dragon. Good luck. This is too bizarre. Javen unhooked his arm from Esmeralda. I want to go back to the ranch. You promised me three days, Esmeralda said. So three days is what you're going to give me. She reclaimed Javen's arm and tugged him with her into the watery wall. If you enjoyed today's Escape Break episode but don't want to wait to find out what happens next, click on over to author DKDrake.com. There you can become a DK Drake Insider, secure your free starter library, and access all the books from the Dragonstalker Bloodline Saga that are available for sale on Amazon. In the meantime, I dare you not to dream of dragons tonight.